Welcome to Ethics and the Naval Warrior. I'm your host, Michael Sears. My guest is a 1994 graduate of the Naval Academy, where she was, among other things, captain of the woman's crew team. She is a logistics officer in the Marine Corps, serving two tours in Al Ambar province. Currently, she is the director of the Center for Experiential Leadership Development at the Academy. Welcome, Colonel MJ Pallada. Hi, thank you. You've been around the world and served in Korea, Thailand, Australia, and Japan. And of course, you've been deployed to Central Asia. What lessons can you give us on traveling? So travel for leisure is a bit different than, of course, travel for the military. What they have in common is that you want to not appear as a loud American as much as you can, certainly if you're going into a military environment. But in those, you're normally in uniform and you're with your unit. You want to blend in as much as you can. And that might be more difficult for a military man with a you know, a high and tight or a strict military haircut. But as much as you can blend in, you want to do that and, and try to assimilate and be a part of the, the environment that you're joining. So we're talking about traveling, but in fact, the purpose of this podcast is about deploying. And deploying is quite different than traveling because when you deploy, you're going to end up somewhere in harm's way for a period of time. What are your thoughts on deployment? Deployment is everything you join to do. It's a great way to see the world. For many of us, we didn't get to leave the country. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, lived a pretty sheltered life, middle class. We didn't have opportunities to travel much even out of the state, much less out of the country. Never did it. Okay, we went to Niagara Falls to the Canada side (laughs) when we were younger. For me, I had a very strong urge to travel and learn other cultures and work among other cultures in defense of our nation's values. So for deploying, whether it's on you know, amphib ships in the 90s before 9-11 or Iraq, Afghanistan, the places we're going to now, North Africa, it's everything you join to do. And to be on that cutting edge, the, the pointy tip, defending our nation and working with other cultures to help them defend themselves is really, to me, what it's all about. And it's just a tremendously fun and rewarding experience. Now, when you're deploying, you're deploying with your unit. Tell me about the feelings sometimes that uh, that we all tend to get about kind of being out there exposed and sometimes even alone. Right. You're among all your colleagues, your, your fellow Marines, sailors who you're serving with. You're with your peers. You know, ideally, you have a great relationship with your people your boss, your peers, that's hit or miss sometimes. Um, But when you do have a unit that has really strong cohesion, the synergy is amazing. It's greater than the sum of its parts. And you really feel like you're accomplishing something and doing it together. But yes, you really are never alone. And so it's isolating in that you have to You can't show affection all the time. You're really never letting your hair down, almost literally. And you're always in a uniform. And I found in Iraq, you're always kind of operating at a higher charge because you're always ready for incoming or IEDs when you're on the road. And so you just kind of operate at a more of an alert status, depending on where you are. But you're you're always at risk and exposed. And so you never really get to fully relax for months at a time. And you also never really get to show affection for people, except when someone you've known or worked with or worked for years ago comes through the Iraq or wherever you are and you 
give him a hearty hug, like, hey, welcome back. It's great to see you again. And then he realized, wow, I haven't actually embraced anybody or even touched anybody for maybe months at a time. And it can feel electric because normally you're not getting to do any of that. You don't have a day off. And, you know, back in the 90s, it was different. When you pull into a libo port, you get to have some fun. You wear some civvies and go have liberty and you know, let your hair down for a bit. But in a, when you're in a place like Iraq or a combat zone, there were no days off and you just never really got to relax and show any kind of affection for anybody other than superficial. And honestly, the times when you show that kind of emotion or affection is the funeral, the funerals and the memorial services you have for those who are killed. And then you know, people show their emotions a bit, hug more. And that's when you actually can kind of let some of that out. But other than that, you're, you're, you're buttoned up metaphorically and physically, you know, with your equipment and yourself. So MJ, you're there in a crowd, but you're still in your head. What, what do you do while you're deployed, while you're in that crowd in those stressful situations? How do you, wh- wh- where's your head at? as you're going through this to make sense of all this stuff? Well, ideally you have a great relationship in your unit and you have people you can really confide in. You have a boss who cares, who you have a great relationship with, and you can talk to the other officers, for us, the staff NCOs, the more senior people who have been in for a bit. And you can have these really great heart-to-heart discussions about leadership things going on in your personal life. And that counseling and that coaching is there. And you do that for your your people too. I've had that. I've had phenomenal bosses and some of my best friends, you know, from when I was a younger officer on deployment, we were on um, a Marine Expeditionary Unit and on ship. And those are still some of my happiest memories from serving. But I've also been in units where I didn't have that rapport. And I had a more senior billet. And did not have that rapport. And that's when I felt that isolation. And yeah, you do retreat to your head, just like anyone who, it's not just in the military, when you're not gelling with the people you work with or your boss, you watch what you say more, you keep things to yourself, you might withdraw inside. I reached out via email. I kept a journal so that I could track it all and remember how I was feeling. And I also read books. Now, MJ, you're, I understand, a Stoic. You consider yourself a Stoic. What does Stoicism have to do with deployments or isolation or being alone in a crowd? Well, I would call myself an aspiring Stoic. Ah, yes. Because I don't know how many people are actually successful at it. Certainly there's been some, Admiral Stockdale, General Mattis, Epictetus himself. I study them and I strive to be like them. But I certainly have have weaknesses. But the parts about being a Stoic that pertain to the military are just mostly that there's many things in our lives we can't control. And that's for everybody. But certainly when you're in the military and when you're on deployment and when you're on deployment in a combat zone, you know, every day anything can happen. But for that matter, every time you go onto a highway, anything can happen. And every day is a gift. So you learn to live every day to its fullest, and the Stoics counsel to think about death often. Do not be too attached to things here on earth, and make positive use of your time every day, and control those things you can, and the things you can control, 
your desires, your wants, your attitude, your outlook, your emotions and your reactions to things. And we all have control over that. And when you start losing people and people are getting hurt or you're being attacked, you have to be that way. You have to, we often refer to it as compartmentalizing. You put it away in a part of your brain and a part of your soul, and then you pull it out and deal with that later. You don't dismiss emotions. You just compartmentalize them, put them in a place, and you deal with them at the proper time. And the grieving process usually comes later after you're in more of a safe environment. Let me ask you that last question. The you know, you're, you're compartmentalizing things, but you're also learning a lot about yourself. You're able to throw off all the noise and detritus of life back in the States. Um, when you get home, how have you learned to keep track of, I hate to say it, all those good things you learned, how to, how to be comfortable with yourself, that, that stoicism that you're, that you're on this path for? How do you, how do you hang on to that? Or, cause I've seen so many times when people just cast it off and say, well, that was then and move forward without really holding on to those experiences? Well, I think when you're on deployment, you realize what's important to you. And I know when I had all those months in Iraq, you realize who you really care about back in the States. You figure out very quickly who your real friends are because they express their care for you or staying in touch with you in different ways. And then you realize you only have so much bandwidth to express those you care for and express and spend the time communicating with them. And it simplifies things. You realize, no, that person's not really worth it. And that way you you might streamline your life a bit because you're living in an austere environment with much less. You realize how much you can live without and you realize who you truly miss and who's worth having in your life. And so for me, when you come back, you actually can implement those changes and simplify your life and kind of have a fresh start when you come back. And it can be a really good feeling. Colonel, this is a great conversation. I appreciate having it and I look forward to having more conversations with you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Ethics in the Naval Warrior, produced by the Boeing Leadership Innovation Lab at the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership. You can find more of our podcasts by visiting the Radio Stockdale page at usna.edu.